You Can Run a Marathon on the Alley on the Run show is brought to you by Generation You Can. Welcome to the Alley on the Run show. I'm your host, Allie Feller. I'm a six-time marathoner, and while I certainly don't have it all figured out on the run, I know a few people who do. And that's what this series is all about. We're talking with pros and experts alike who have learned firsthand how to master the 26.2-mile distance, and they want to help you do the same. Whether you're gearing up for your first, your fastest, or your funnest, this team is here to help you get to the start line healthy and confident and across the finish line strong and smiling. So far on the You Can Run a Marathon series, we've talked with Olympian Alexi Pappas, alpine skier turned Olympic marathoner Shireen James, and man on a mission, Mo Alkawalde. Today, it's Molly Bookmeyer's turn. Molly is a 244 marathoner with an inspiring story, which you're about to hear. So why am I still talking? Let's let Molly do that. Molly, I think that you are one of the most inspiring women and runners on the planet. So it is such an honor to get to have you here today. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Alley on the Run show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be on the show. So you have a remarkable story. The focus of this series is on all things specific to the marathon distance, but I actually want to start this episode, if we can, by talking a bit about some of the personal stuff that you've been through, because, you know, why not get a little bit of a heavy but inspiring start? So the short version is you discovered you had a brain tumor in 2013. You then had surgery on it. You had a second operation not long after. You had a seizure while on a treadmill. You've undergone two brain surgeries, and then you got married. You go on your honeymoon. A week later, your husband is diagnosed with testicular cancer. So you two have been through it, and you come out of all of this with a 2020 Olympic trials qualifying time, and you place third in the U.S. 25K championships earlier this year. So uh You've had a hell of a couple years, Molly. Yeah, I mean, it's been super crazy. But um, I mean, the good part of it is like now we're both healthy, which is awesome. But yeah, kind of what you said is I was um, a senior in college at Ohio State and I found out that I had a brain tumor and it was pretty small at the time. Um, So it was just something they decided just to kind of monitor with MRIs. But over the next two years, it continued to grow. And so they decided they had um, they thought it was the best thing to do was to remove it just to make sure it didn't start to press on press on like other things in my brain and if it continued to get bigger it was gonna get harder to remove so I had surgery which was um a pretty intense surgery at the Cleveland Clinic Um, I think surgery lasted like nine to ten hours and then kind of yeah what you said is um so I had that first surgery um I was out of work for a while and I went back to work and I'm about So that was in January and then in April, um, I started getting really bad headaches and I ended up having to have like a second emergency surgery, but I went back through that surgery and came out and um, then I was able to get back to work and get back to running. And that fall, I started to run a little bit more just because obviously I love running, which is why I'm still running today. Um, And I was running um, on a treadmill after work one day and um, I thought everything was fine. And then I... I remember kind of getting kind of like lightheaded or something. And all I remember is I woke up in an ambulance and um, I was told that I had a seizure while running on the treadmill. And so ever since then, I've had to be on anti-seizure medicine just to make sure that I don't have a second seizure. Okay. A couple follow-up questions here. So 
I think probably three quarters of the people listening are now saying to themselves, oh my God, I have a headache. Do I have a brain tumor too? Probably freaking themselves out a little bit. Can we talk about (laughs) your initial diagnosis when they found the first tumor? How did you know that that was what was going on? Were you having repeat headaches? So it's so it's honestly really really crazy. Uh, so um, so I was I ran at Ohio State for three years um, and then I ended up leaving after my junior year just because I was hurt and um, I was just really struggling at the time and I also uh, wasn't and so I hope people don't think this. So I also wasn't getting my period super regularly and we, it was something we always just blamed on um, running um, because you know so a lot of female distance runners kind of go through maybe not having super regular periods which is which is not healthy so if that's going on with anybody you should definitely go to the doctor um, but what they ended up doing is they did some blood work and they found out that I had an elevated level of one hormone and then that hormone can be also related to having a little cyst by your pituitary gland uh, so they did an MRI scan of my brain and when they did the scan of the of my brain they found that little cyst by my pituitary gland but then they also found the other tumor which is the one they ended up having to remove um, in my ventricle so it's really honestly uh, by luck that they found it um, and you know it's one of those things where it's just kind of crazy that it happened and I I didn't really know I had it and I I don't know I probably had some side effects of the tumor but you just you live your daily life and you're not really thinking much about it and I think if it gotten bigger I probably would have had worse side effects that is so crazy that you can have something totally different going on and just by like a routine oh we're just gonna do some blood tests you know just to be sure kind of thing like that just and those stories I don't want to say they're so common but I feel like we hear those stories and it's just crazy that one thing can lead to something and I mean it's so good that they caught it that you caught it when they did yeah and i think it just i mean just if you surround yourself with uh doctors who like listen to you i think that's the most important thing um i had like it was actually my gynecologist who's the one who like ordered these tests and so i still see her today and you know she just really listened to me and believed me and you know she just kept following up with it so i think you know just find a team of people who really believe in you and listen to you and um i think that helps a lot So then after the second surgery, can you talk to me about that a little bit? You come out of that surgery and was the feeling after that like, okay, now we're good. Yeah. So the second surgery was because um, it was it was kind of a side effect from the first surgery. Um, My ventricles weren't uh, draining properly. So they're like fluid filled in your brain. And um, so basically I had like scar tissue that wasn't letting them drain properly. So they, um, I had something called hydrocephalus, which is called water on the brain. So it's basically just a ton of pressure. Um, So she had to like go in and remove the fluid, all the extra fluid. And they also, um, actually I have like a little, it's called like a ventricular catheter in my brain, which kind of goes from the ventricle to the back of my skull. And then I have a little reservoir that can, uh, collects like excess fluid. Um, so she like implanted those things. So I still have those implants today. And so ever since then, I've had like MRIs and uh, it, everything's remained like uh, normal. And the tumor that I've had, uh, it's really like a rare tumor, but it doesn't normally come back. And so my MRIs, I used to have them every like four months and then they moved every six months. And then I just saw my neuro-oncologist and I think we're going to move to even a little bit longer, maybe a year next year. Yay. That's great news. Yeah. So you go through all that. You come out, you're, you're good to go. You're feeling positive. You get married, you go on your honeymoon, totally different kind of setback. Yeah. So honestly, I think this was uh, a lot harder for me. So yeah, we, 
and at the time, like I was running, I was training, everything was going super great. I was super excited uh, to marry my husband because he was with me through all my health issues. And we go on our honeymoon and we come back and he just kept complaining about like stomach pain. And he's not somebody who complains about a lot of stuff. And so I knew something was up if he continued to complain about it. So I got, you know, convinced him to go to the doctor. And ultimately, um, after a few tests, he uh, was diagnosed with testicular cancer, which I mean, it was it was just super hard to get that diagnosis. It was something that like, it was like a punch in the gut. You know, I just, you never want to hear the words cancer. And it was just one of those times where we just got married. We just went through all this stuff with my health issues. Like we just, I just wanted to be like happy and to have this happen to him um, was, you know, hard. And it was also just scary. Like, I think the word cancer is just so scary. You know, you don't know what that means. So talk to me about being there for him during him going through everything, because I think you've said that you, you know, you leaned into running a bit during that time. I definitely leaned into running. So I was training for a marathon and like my goals for that marathon kind of went out the window. But like running is just something that I have always used as it's kind of like my it's like that mental time that you can get away and you can kind of think through things. And it's almost like a medicine. You know, it's a time it's like that mental health and that medicine. And so like seeing him go through it was I would say it was way harder than me going through my brain surgeries. Um, I think it's just because I didn't know how he was feeling, you know, it's just, and to see somebody you love go through something so hard is really, really difficult to see. And so um, running helped me a ton through that time. Um, it was just kind of my sanctuary where I can go out and I could run and think about things. And I also, you know, had some really good girlfriends who I would run with every once in a while. And so it was nice that we could go out and run together and I could, you know, go run with them. I could come back and we could be like crying on the run or we can come back and we could be laughing on the run and like nobody judged me for how I was feeling. And so I think just to have that community of support in running and to have the outlet of running to just let your mind wander is uh, so special. So how is your husband doing now? He is great. Yeah, he is uh, cancer free, which is Yay. amazing. Yeah, yeah, super lucky. And um, yeah, healthy and happy now. All right. Love that. Well, you say you said happy and healthy, which I'm very happy to hear about both of you. <laughs> but you're also a little bit injured right now. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I know. <laughs> yeah uh, so um, I guess I'm not totally healthy, which really, <laughs> I'm super disappointed. Um, so about it's, it's honestly been about four weeks now. Um, I was running and I got this horrible pain. Like I felt like I pulled, I felt like I pulled a glute muscle um, in my left hip or something. And, um, but I actually got the diagnosis that I have a sacral stress fracture. Um, So it's, that's been another, you know, big disappointment that I'm dealing with right now. Um, But just trying to get my body healthy um, so I can get back to running and training and doing what I love. So what were you training for at the time? So I had a a lot of fall races that I was um, signed up to do. So I was supposed to do the Beach to Beacon 10K. And then I was um, going to run the 20k championships which is labor day weekend and then my ultimate goal race for the fall was to run in the new york city marathon so it all kind of just depends on the timeline of when i get healthy and if you can't do it this year it will still be there next year ready for you with open arms yeah i hope so yeah it's i mean it's been really hard you know i've spent a lot of time crying so but i think you know it's part of that time where you um you gotta look at it as like i don't know you like you allow your time to grieve and uh, like 
it's okay to be sad and upset and disappointed, but then you kind of have to accept that this happened and then look forward to what you can do to get better. So I was going to say, I'd love to elaborate on that because I love that you said you cried over it. I think that so many of us, whatever level of runner we are, we get injured and that sucks. And then it's almost like there's a guilt for feeling like, oh, I can't cry over this. Like it's just a running injury or something. And then like kind of beating ourselves up for that. I love that you just said that there's a grieving process when you're injured. Can you talk a little bit more? Have you had other bad injuries in the past or is this your first like really gnarly one? So I had um, a stress fracture in college um, and that's actually why I quit the team in college. Um, and so I'm not, you know, I made that decision back then. Um, it was, I had a stress fracture in my shin, but that's really, and then in high school, I had some weird um, issue in my foot. It was kind of like a vascular issue. It's called Freiburg's infraction. Um, so I've had other big injuries. Um, and I think in the past I've dealt with them differently. Like I think I said in college, you know, I kind of walked away from running and didn't allow myself to grieve properly. But I think what I learned from in college when I had that stress fracture and walked away from running for a while is um, how much I truly do love running um, and how much it's a, such a big part of my life. And so it's going to sound silly, but like an injury is almost like a loss. Like if you lose like a loved one or you lose, and I know it's not the same thing, so I'm not trying to say it's like losing somebody, um, but it's a piece of your life. And so I think the only way to help, like, be healthy and to help yourself, like, get through it is to allow yourself to grieve. And so, I mean, I you can ask my husband. I cried a lot <laughs> about it. Um, I had some really tough nights and um, was really disappointed. Um, and, you know, it's really hard to have to email people and say, I have to back out of this race. It's, you know, that's all hard, too. But it's kind of like those stages of grief where you allow yourself to grieve over it and then you kind of move on to the point of like accepting it and then moving forward and um I kept asking myself like why why did this happen why did this happen to me and I think like that's not healthy either you know like I'm never gonna know exactly why I have like different assumptions of different things that could have happened that led up to it and it's probably a combination of a bunch of different stuff but I think I'm never gonna know 100 why and like that's okay but just take maybe some of the learnings from this cycle of training and maybe tweak some things in the future. Well, I know that I speak for myself and everyone listening when I say we're wishing you a very strong and speedy recovery. Thank you. All right. So we're going to go back in time a bit. We're going to talk about all the good glory days of marathon running. But before we get into that, I do want to note that you have these super impressive race times right up there with the pros you're not living the full-time pro runner life well so I was working full-time through about um May at DSW and then I decided that I wanted to have like a little bit more flexibility um to focus on running a little bit more so in May I just started working at our uh, local running store and so I work, it's more like part-time now, but um, I still work some. Well, but still, you're still working. You're not going for your runs in the morning and then, you know, laying in the recovery boots all day and having catered meals brought to you and getting your massages. You're on your feet. You're doing stuff. Uh, Yeah. Yep. Totally. (laughs) But I love that it's in the running industry. I think that's super cool that, you know, I have to imagine you're getting a lot of FaceTime with a lot of runners who have questions for you and want your expertise about all kinds of good stuff. Can you talk a little bit? What does your job entail right now? 
So right now um, I do like buying for the stores. And so I buy like all the accessories for the stores. Um, but, you know, I would like I love to talk about running and get involved and give it, give advice to different people. So I'm trying to get more involved with maybe like coaching some people or um, just exploring different ways that I can give back to like the running community. Um, I've had some cool opportunities where I got to go to like a camp and talk to like a bunch of high school kids um, just because I think, you know, everybody goes through difficult times with training and kind of questions different things. So anything that I can share to help somebody else I'm more than willing to help because um, a lot of people help have helped me get to where I am today I love that all right let's go back in time tell me how you got into the 26.2 mile distance why the marathon for you so I told you I left running in college and then um, it's kind of like I knew I was having a brain surgery coming up and my sister, my older sister started uh, running and she was running marathons. And it was kind of one of those things where like she was a gymnast her entire life. Um, and so and she was in Cincinnati at the time running with like different running groups. And so my now husband at the time was in grad school in Cincinnati um, and I was working full time. So I would go on down on the weekends to Cincinnati and I would start running with her and her group. And so um, it was just kind of because of her that I signed up for my first marathon. And it was also kind of just like a bucket list thing where I just wanted to say, hey, I just want to run a marathon just to kind of check it off the list to say that I did it. But it became a little more than that, more than a bucket oh, list thing. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, totally. So I think um, like after my brain surgeries and after my husband's cancer, um, I really decided to like focus on getting back into it. So over this past year, now like that he was healthy and I was healthy and I was able to start running more, I really found my love for running and like my passion for it again. And it kind of came became more of just like a social thing for me and became more of like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I look back and I feel like I left so much on the table um, in my earlier days of running that I think I have so much potential. And um, there was one of the guys who, or the, the man who owns the local store, I remember um, back when I like just started running again for fun, he told me, he's like, I think you're going to, like, you can qualify for um, the Olympic trials. And I, at the time, I was like, no, <laughs> like, that's, um, I don't, I never thought that was going to be in the cards for me. But um, just to see my hard work start to pay off um, has been truly exciting. So I think we have a lot of people listening who are training for their first marathon, which is very exciting in my opinion. I want to look back at your first one, that first marathon that you did. What do you remember most about the training? So I think my, like my very first one, um, I think it was just about getting those long runs in, just making sure. Um, and I, and I honestly didn't do anything super special for the first uh, marathon. It was all just about figuring out how uh, to get those long runs in. And I was fortunate that I had, like there was a group of um, people who run here in Columbus. And so I would go out and run my long runs with them. So it was just building up the mileage to get um, myself acclimated to like the longer distance, the longer time you're going to be out there on your feet. And what about the first race when you cross that finish line were you like yep bucket list one and done see it again never or was there a small part of you that was like oh I kind of have a runner's high right now I might do that again yeah so I think I was just super super proud of myself for finishing that race um actually and this is like I actually ended up having some like digestive issues in that race which is something I had have had like a lot until this past year when I finally figured it out. So I ended up walking in my first marathon. And so I think it was one of those things where I finished, but it was like, oh my gosh, like I want to do so much better. But then I also had like my brain surgeries to do. Like I had my brain surgeries that January. So that's why it kind of took me a while to get back into it after the fact. 
All right. So you walked during your very first marathon and now you've qualified for the Olympic trials. So I think that's a message we can all take with us that, hey, we all have unlimited potential. Yeah. I mean, so it's definitely the mental aspect of it is like really, really important. And I think um, that's just something I didn't maybe train myself enough for uh, during my first marathon. I think nutrition's also huge. And so I think it's not only about the running and the miles you're putting in, but it's also uh, figuring out what works for your body nutrition wise and figuring out how like to mentally get past some of the barriers that you're going to feel because you're going to it's going to hurt you know and so how do you uh, push past those barriers to keep yourself moving to the finish line and I think I've learned some of those tricks over this past year that have worked for me all right so tell us the tricks yeah so if I start with like um, the mental aspect I think um a couple of different things that I've learned is um, my coach, like you can count backwards from like 100. So if you go like 100, 99, 98, 97, um, like soon, like if you do that while you're in pain, the farther, like the lower you get, like you're going to kind of forget about your pain and then your mind's going to be on something different for a different time. Um, I also have like different like mantras that I really like to say when I'm running. Um, and so I know for like this past spring season, it was uh, belong. And so it's something, and I started to practice it when I had hard workout. So um, I have like a couple words. So it's like belong or go or commit. And these words I just repeat in my head. Um, and so like belong will be like, I want to belong in this world in this race, know that I'm a part of this race, know that like I am supposed to be here. I've done, no matter who you are, you've all, everybody's put in the work. So you belong to be on that starting line and um, just believing in yourself and your training. And then the next one is uh, like commit. So whenever it gets really hard, like commit, commit to yourself, just commit to that mile. And I just like repeat that word in my head, commit, 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 you know, 10 times. And, um, you know, before long, the pain kind of goes away and you just kind of refocus on something, um, something different or committing to yourself, committing to yourself in that mile. And then the last one is like go, and this is more with like racing. So like you're racing, um, as I've gotten to like the higher level racing, different girls, like if somebody makes a move, um, to just go with them and, you know, don't, don't always think that like if they're going to take off that they're going to be gone, but just to go and to continue to uh, be a part of the race. And what about you mentioned that it took you until this year to figure out some of the digestive stuff. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So um, last um, winter, so uh, 2018, January, or um, no, it was December, I um, was supposed to run, or I ran CIM, and I ended up having to drop out at like mile 18 for digestive issues. And um, really, over this past year, what I've done is I really dialed in my nutrition with UCAN. And uh, what happened at that race is I used UCAN to fuel my entire like training season up until that race. But for some reason, I don't know, I don't know why I did this. And I, you know, do as I say, not as I do. I got like super stressed before that race. Um, I think it's because I was trying to get my time for the OT uh, for, for the trials. And um, I started doing my nutrition different than what I've done in the past. And so normally I would take UCAN about half an hour to 45 minutes before the marathon. And it would last probably about an hour and a half or an hour and 15 into the race. And then I never got bottles um, at that time. And so I still um, I would switch to sugar-based fuels just because it was a little bit easier for me to carry because I didn't want to carry a bottle with me. Um, but at that race, I switched a lot earlier. Um, like I switched to like four miles into the race, which is like, I don't know, 
half an hour, a little bit less for me. And so by the time I was at like when I was should have started taking the gels, I was already four gels deep and those things really uh, can mess with my stomach. So I, I mean, yeah, like I, so I had to drop out because I, my stomach, the goal was to qualify to the trials and I wasn't going to, and I, I just couldn't like my stomach. I literally was going to poop my pants. So (laughs) I, um, I dropped, but then, so ever since then I worked really closely with UCAN and they kind of, I got back to trusting the process and trusting my fueling and figuring out the right way to do it. And I haven't had any issues since. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's incredible. I think people don't like it. Nutrition is huge in the marathon. And I think people like don't realize how big of a difference it can make. But like when you have stomach issues, I don't know if you've had them in the past, but they're horrible. Oh, I'm the queen. I have Crohn's disease. I'm the queen of stomach issues. When yeah. Yeah. They yeah. suck, don't they? <laughs> oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. Time for a break to hear from our sponsor, Generation You Can. Remember Shireen Jame, that three-time Olympic alpine skier who became an Olympic marathon runner? She was the second guest on the You Can Run a Marathon series, and she has spent years getting in tune with and respecting her body so it can perform at its best. For Shireen, she told me that has meant putting in the work to figure out how best to fuel herself both in training and competition. And it's why she swears by Generation You Can. Here's what Shireen told me about her history with You Can. She said, I was introduced to Generation UCAN in 2016. I work for a startup company that focuses on helping people with diabetes to live a healthy life. We have lots of active employees that participate in triathlon and running races, so I've introduced them to UCAN and all its benefits. I personally truly believe in UCAN products and I love the energy it gives me before workouts and the hydration I need after. It works for me. It is magical. I love that. Fueling on the run is a really personal decision, so if you're working on figuring out what works for you, give UCAN a try and see what you think. Go to generationucan.com and use code ONTHERUN to get 20% off your order plus free shipping. If you're new to UCAN, check out the You Can Run Starter Pack. Go to generationucan.com slash ONTHERUN50 for 50% off those starter packs. And yeah, go ahead. Enjoy free shipping on those too. That's generationucan.com slash ONTHERUN50. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, so I want to talk about you. Um, you obviously, you took some time off after that first marathon, went through all kinds of things. When did you realize, other than someone mentioning it to you, when did you realize like, hey, I could really kick ass at this distance. I could run an Olympic trials qualifying time. So after, so my husband um, was going through like chemo and stuff, um, the wind like last winter. And I think during that time, I really picked back up running just to use for like my mental sanity because I felt like I needed to take care of myself um, and that was through running and so I just started to run and I wanted to sign up for a race a a little bit later in the spring just to give me some time um, because I didn't know how long his chemo was going to last and so I signed up for grandma's marathon in Duluth Minnesota uh, which is every June and so I started training really hard for that race and I ended up um, running a 246. I fell into this like incredible pack of women at that race. Like it was, it's still probably one of my favorite experiences. It was like, there was probably like 15 of us and we were all passing around like water at every stop. It was like super supportive and we were all, every girl was trying to go for their OTQ time and it was incredible. And I still um, are like friends with these girls on social media, which is super cool. And um, 
I ended up running a 246. And I think, you know, when I saw that I could run a 246, you know, I trained myself, I trained by myself, I wrote my own coaching, I finally figured out my nutrition. I think that was the first time where I was like, Oh, my gosh, like I just, you know, did this after going through everything we went through with my husband, and I, you know, trained myself and coached myself to get myself to this time, like, I think I can cut off a minute. Um, and then I was able to cut off a minute in Houston. And then I still feel like I have potential to get faster if I can stay healthy. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to say like the girls in that race were just incredible. Like I, the, they were just awesome. And I can't speak enough like positive things about that race. Um, and it was kind of cool. Like even at CIM, um, I know I had a drop out of that race, but still it's just like, there was a huge pack of girls who were going for their OTQ time. And like, I don't like, I don't regret anything about that race. Like, yes, I wish I wouldn't have taken my gels as soon as I did. Like, I, I think that was, you know, lesson learned. Don't do anything new on race day. That's a tip that I should follow, but I didn't. (laughs) Um, But still, I mean, just like the supportive nature of all the women in the sport is pretty incredible. That's awesome. All right. Let's talk about training for you. I know that, you know, you're not in the thick of it right now, but you'll get back to it. I mm-hmm. want to talk about generally when you're marathon training, what that really looks like for you. Can you break down sort of a, a week in the life of Molly's marathon training? How much are you running? How much are you cross training? What about recovery, rest days? Break it all down for us. So I've been running. So this spring, my buildup, I was running like 95 miles a week. Um, I think the goal was to get to around 100 miles a week. Um, and then kind of what I would do is every Wednesday was a hard, we had a hard workout on Wednesdays. And then on Tuesdays, I kind of did a second long run. So normally like 14 to 15 miles on Tuesdays to kind of tire my legs out. And so then when I went to the workout on Wednesdays, my legs weren't super fresh. So my body would know how to respond to the harder workouts on Wednesdays um, when they were already tired. Um, and then Thursdays was recovery. So I still ran, but I would run like a lot slower. So I think I still had like a 10 mile run, but it would still just be like a lot slower, a lot easier. Um, just like whatever pace I felt that I needed to do. And then I always did like my long runs on Saturdays and then Sundays were recovery again. So I ran every day, but like, uh, paces were a little bit different. I would definitely take my easy days pretty slow. And then, Um, I do a lot of like core work and like stability work. I do a lot of like PT exercises um, to strengthen my hips and my glutes. Um, And so just working on all my weaknesses as well. Uh, So talk to me about rest days. Have you always been a fan of the rest day? Um, So I actually kind of don't. And so that's I haven't I don't have any like rest days that were in in my training schedule. And so I think it just depends on your body. Like I think some people can benefit from a rest day. I think it's just how you approach that rest day. So like my rest days were like active recovery rest day. So I'd be like, I would still be running, but it was like a lot slower. So it kind of got my legs moving to kind of get some of that gunk out that you might feel like, you know, when you feel heavy, um, if you go slow, like the runs felt horrible. Like I would feel like (laughs) totally heavy and just like crap but I know that like it was helping to work out some of the stiffness in my body but you know ice baths are great Epsom salt baths are great um you know rolling out a lot and like massaging on those um slower recovery days all right so as we're talking about these glory days of the marathon that you've had here's just a totally random question that I don't already know the answer to have you ever taken a wrong turn during a marathon 
I have. <laughs> Tell me about that. Yeah. And and the fact that not only did you do that, you still broke three hours in the race. Yeah, that was like in 2017, I um, was running the Toledo Marathon. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know what happened, but I remember, so there was a, one of my friends, he like laid out the turn by turn directions for me. And I remember telling my husband, there was one section where you like, you kind of do, do a loop and on the way back when you're finishing, you're supposed to take a left. And I remember telling my husband, oh my gosh, I hope we take a left and not a right. And I um, came down that straightaway and it was like, there was the split where people who are going out for the first time were going to take a right. And so I took a right with everybody else instead of when I was supposed to take a left. And that was like totally demoralizing because you're already ready running like 26 miles to have to run over the distance was really, really difficult. Um, but, you know, luckily people caught me not super far down the path and got me to turn around and go back the other direction. But that was that was not fun. So I'm impressed. So what <laughs> mile were you at for the marathon? Like how much further was- did you have to go had you not made the wrong turn? I think it was like mile 20. Okay. So you still then had to run like six or even seven if you had to backtrack it. I'm impressed that you were like, yeah, I'm going to keep running. I I think a part of me might have been like, (laughs) screw it. I live here on this street corner now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I definitely... I'm I walked some of that race too. So don't... um, Wait, you walked some of it and you broke three hours? Yeah. How fast do you walk? I was doing like I walked for two minutes and I would run and then I would walk for two minutes and I would run because I was going to like finish the race. Um, And I kept looking at my watch. It was it was just I think it was mentally I was broken. And so I was just trying to get myself to like get back to it. So and I had like a goal. My goal was to break three hours. So I just was like trying as hard as I could to just still get that goal at that time. But it's crazy. I feel like you must be the fastest walker on the planet too to be able to (laughs) make a wrong turn and do some walking and break three hours. I'm just in awe. Very impressive. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, I think, like, I don't know. I think people can learn. Like, I um, I definitely have not had the perfect marathon races. Um, I have, I've learned a lot in my races. And so I think figuring all that stuff out, like, I think is why I've been able to make some bigger jumps just because, you know, make sure you turn the right way. Make sure you're paying attention. (laughs) Um, The fueling is huge. So yeah. All right. So another thing I'm curious about, you live in Ohio. So you get all four seasons there. And we haven't really touched on this on this series because for most people right now, it's summer. So it's probably kind of hot, but we know that the cooler temps are coming. You live in Ohio, you get all four seasons. I'd love to talk a bit about training in different weather, about snow, rain, sleet, hot, cold, you get it all there. I'm curious, where do you thrive? Where do you struggle? What are, what's it like running in all kinds of weather? Yeah. So I would say the winter is definitely the hardest and it's not always just like the temperatures, it's the snow and the ice, because I mean, that's like super difficult to train for if it's super icy outside. Um, and so that's, I think the hardest piece of it. Um, so sometimes in the winter I do supplement some of my training on the treadmill just because I look at it like what's safer. Is it safer to go on the treadmill, um, than go outside just because there are days where it's like the street is covered in ice and you literally can't go outside and you don't want to hurt yourself. You don't want to fall. You don't want to get like tendonitis. I know like in college one time I got tendonitis cause we did a tempo run on a hilly path and it was like kind of slushy outside cause you know, your footing's different. And so, um, I struggle in the winter. Um, but I think it's just 
kind of figuring out the right balance of how can you make sure you still get outside as much as you can, but like being smart about it. And if you have to like tweak your workouts, you have access to a gym where you can get on the treadmill or do something different to make sure you're still maintaining your cardio fitness. Okay. So we talked about nutrition. We've talked about weather. We've covered a lot of good stuff here. I want to talk about race weekend, hypothetical race weekend. Talk to me about what race week looks like for you. Let's say you've got a marathon on Saturday. Talk to me about how that week looks. Are you doing much different in the week leading up to your race? Um, So mileage is definitely cut down a lot. Um, So I know, like, I always, I think we've learned for me, I kind of like a shorter, uh, shorter um, taper. So maybe not like three weeks, but closer to two weeks of a taper. But um, I'm definitely making sure that I get a lot more rest that week. Um, And even though I'm not running as much, I still make sure I maintain my like calories and make sure I'm still eating enough because um, your body is still like rebuilding itself, so it can go be ready to race the long dist- like the longer distance on the uh, race week. So I wouldn't say that I'm eating more. I'm just like just because I'm running maybe four miles instead of ten miles, I'm not going to cut my calories in half. I'm still going to make sure I eat as I normally would as if I was training full so that I'm ready to go on race day. And then I just make sure, you know, I sleep normally. I try not to do anything crazy different because I think like your body's kind of in the habit of what it's used to be doing. So like, I just want to like try to make sure I maintain the same sleep schedule, make sure maybe if I'm like working a lot that week, maybe I try to make sure I'm not as stressed. You know, if I have big meetings or something coming up, maybe I schedule those like for the week before, you know, just try to do the best I can to have less stress on my plate, you know, and then just taking extra time to do the little things like rolling out, um, taking Epsom salt baths and just making sure my head's in the right place. I always like to go back through and like read through my, uh, training logs. Um, I do a good job of like keeping track of my training logs and how I felt, um, throughout my different training and something that I also started to do this year, which I uh, really like doing is, um, I actually got it from, reading Dina Castor's book is, um, just, I keep like a gratitude list, of like things I try to do it like every day, like what am I grateful for this day? And it's really helped shift, shift my mind to be like more positive. Um, and so like, I'll go back through like my gratitude list for the season and kind of read the different things that I'm grateful for and just kind of make sure I get in the right mindset for the race. Love that. All right. So let's say it's Friday, which means the race is tomorrow. You're feeling good. What's for dinner? So I would say I actually like to have like spaghetti two nights before just because I feel like sometimes like a big plate of spaghetti can sit pretty heavy in my stomach. Um, You're going to make fun of me, but I actually (laughs) really like to have Chipotle the night before a race. I'm not going to make fun of you. I think Chipotle is (laughs) delicious. Just because like I know I can get it anywhere. Like I can get it in Columbus. I can get it wherever I go. And it's like it has rice. It has chicken. Like it has a lot of this stuff. Like I like I love to have like a protein and also some sort of like um, like rice or po- like a lighter pasta. And so, um, that's normally what I eat like the night before. Okay. So do you generally sleep well the night before a race? I have. Yeah. I would say like sometimes if I'm super worked up, like before, um, CIM, I did not sleep well, but I think now as I've been like getting better about the whole mental stuff, I sleep pretty well. Okay. So you wake up, it's race day. What's mm-hmm. for breakfast and when do you eat it? I still like to have like some solid food. I would say like probably like oatmeal um, and like a banana, like half a banana and some coffee. Um, I would say I eat that maybe like 
three to four hours before the race day, just depending on what time the, the race is. And then I always take my, I always take, you can, um, about half an hour to 45 minutes before the race. So just, it all kind of depends on what time the race is at, but I normally still feel like I like to have some solid food in my stomach before the race starts. And do you listen to any music the morning before the race? Do you have any like pump up jams? What's your go-to or are you a strong and silent type? Uh, I like to listen to music, but I like to listen to like all different kinds of music. I don't know. I like like pink or like even like Pitbull. Yeah. I don't know. Just like just like different stuff to get to get excited. See, GI issues and Pitbull. You're hitting all my <laughs> topics here. All my favorite things. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So you have your breakfast. You're ready. You slept great. It's time. You're on the start line. Tell me about what's going through your head. I mean, I know every race is so different, but for the most part, when you're out there running a marathon, you're out there for around three hours, or in your case, less than three hours. How much of what you're thinking is tactical? How much are you looking at your watch, looking around you? How much are you tuning in and how much are you zoning out? Um, so I feel like I try to tune in to like my watch and my pace pretty regularly. I mean, like I have my watch. So I don't I don't always uh, pay as close attention to like my uh, mile split on my watch just because a, a huge part of my training um, is doing a lot of tempo work. And so my coach has kind of taught me to find with a feeling of what marathon pace feels like instead of always relying on my watch. And so I try to like kind of tune into my body and how I'm feeling, um, which can be difficult. Like if you're in a race setting, if you're around with a bunch of different people, but just kind of tuning into like my body and how I'm feeling. But whenever I see like the, um, like my watch, whenever it goes off for like the mile splits or like you see the, the, uh, uh, clocks on the course, I always kind of check those and t- compare like where I'm supposed to be and like where my watch is clicking just to make sure I'm not going out too fast. Cause I think that's the biggest thing. Um, just making sure in the marathon, you don't go out too fast in like the first half or the first like 15 miles. I love that. All right. So you've been through a lot. We've talked about a lot of stuff here based on all that, on everything you've been through, on everything you've done, what are some of the big takeaways you can share with us that sort of tie back to running? I think, um, number one, I would say find like your team of support. Um, and that's something that I'm like a huge advocate for. So like what, like that could be like, you know, in your, in your life outside of running, but also in running, like find like, the group of people who are going to push you, make you be your best. And like, for me, that's like my coaches and my husband, they're like a huge support for me, but it can be anybody. And I think that just helps, you know, you be your best person and helps you be at your best. And so I think, you know, if you have people who support you, no matter what, they're going to love you if you succeed, you know, or if you have a tough day. So just find those people that um, help you get through those uh, different parts of training. Also something I would say is kind of like know your why, like why are you out there running? Like what is your goal that you have in mind? Because I think if you have like your goal and you know why you're doing something, then you can totally just buy into what you're doing and um, it's going to help you when you're struggling and you're having really hard days if you know why you're out there. Um, And it can be different for like every single person. It can be like, you just want to like, you want to be healthy or you want to like know that you can finish this race or like you want to, you know, it's going to be different for everybody. And that's, it should be different for everybody. But if you have that purpose, um, I think it helps you get through some of those tough, um, tough phases, um, of training. Cause I'm not gonna lie. Marathon training can be really tiring and, you know, can be tough. Um, I think, and then just like, I would say, um, just remember to like, enjoy the process and to like smile, like, because 
it can be so hard and so tiring some days. Um, but your mind has so much to do with how you perform and how you execute and how you approach every day. And so I think if you can just get to the starting line and smile, or if you have a hard workout, if you can just go there and be positive about it, like it's going to totally change your attitude and how you feel about that day. Like I look back in my favorite memories, I'm like laughing and smiling and enjoying the enjoying running. And that's what it's all about. Like we all run because we love and we share this common bond of loving the running community. And I think that's um, a huge piece of it. I love that, man. Takeaways don't get much better than that. So with (laughs) all of that, can we get into our finishing kick? Sure. All right. What is your favorite marathon specific workout? So I love like long runs with like tempo, uh, tempos within them. So like I'll have like 20 miles and then maybe I'll have like three by four or five mile tempos in them. So the hardest possible thing is what you like. Got it. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. All right. You're about to win. You knew this question was coming. You're about to win a marathon. It can be any marathon you want. Where do you see yourself crossing that line in first place? What's the dream? I would say New York City. Love that. What song is playing as you cross the finish line? Alicia Keys, This Girl Is On Fire. Love that. And you know what? Maybe we can get her to do a live version, like show up and be there playing in person. That would just be so cool. Okay, we'll work on that. Who is the first person you hug or kiss after crossing the line? My husband, Eric. Who's the second person? Probably my coaches. Love that. And you can choose anyone in the world to drape the flag over your shoulders for your victory lap. Who do you want to have the honor? I think my coaches or my parents. I mean, they both like, you know, they see all the highs and lows and they do so much for you. So either or all of them. Love that. They can all do it. It's a big flag. Mm -hmm. What's your your post-race meal? I think like a bit like a burger, go somewhere to get a nice big burger and some fries. And listen, in New York, there's a lot of places you can do that. Perfect. So it's waiting for you. All right. We need you've already given us a lot of very good advice today, but we need just a couple more pieces here. What is your best advice for first time marathoners? Just remember to enjoy the entire process. Like running a marathon is going to change your life. And so just remember um, when you're having a hard day, just remember why you're out there. Remember that it's all going to be worth it when you cross that finish line. What about your best piece of advice for marathoners who are going for a big PR or a big goal this fall? I would say to work on that mental aspect. Anything you can do to get your head right, I think People don't spend enough time working on the mental aspect of running. So just continue to improve um, and train your mind to be strong uh, for the race. All right. The last thing we need from you, what is something you want every marathoner to have in his or her head at mile 26 with 0.2 to go? Uh, Just be proud of yourself. I mean, you made it through the entire race. You're almost done. Just soak in all the feelings, all the cheers from the sidelines and uh, be proud of all the work that you put in because you've earned it. Molly, I think you're amazing. I want you back out running so fast, so soon, so strong. I'm just sending you the absolute best vibes to get you back out there feeling healthy. And I'm just really grateful for everything that you're putting out there and sharing. I think you're a positive light in this world and you're someone for all of us to admire. Oh, you're so sweet. And I really enjoy talking with you. And um, I hope to see you in New York one day. So I'm, I'm ready and waiting. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode in the You Can Run a Marathon series on the Alley on the Run show. 
We have three more weeks to talk about everything that'll help guide you toward your strongest marathon. So let me know what you're thinking of the series so far. Hit me up at Allie on the Run one on Instagram and Twitter, and make sure you like the Allie on the Run Facebook page. You can also go ahead and leave a rating and review for the show on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, which is always very appreciated. Before I let you go, let's give a big thank you to Generation You Can for making this series possible. Go to generationucan.com and use code ONTHERUN for 20% off your order and free shipping. If you're trying UCAN for the first time, go directly to generationucan.com slash ONTHERUN50. That way you'll get to save 50% and get free shipping on the You Can Run Starter Pack. This is a great way to try out the UCAN products and figure out what you like as you get deep into your marathon training and a little closer to race day. I'll see you next week for more marathon talk. And until then, thanks for joining me on the run.